Welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. The storytelling show that features The Clearing, where all good questions come to get asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a juicy storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. So yes, welcome to the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we shall begin. And quite literally, get in. Welcome. We are living the hybrid dream. We are streaming live as we speak to Facebook and YouTube. Can we give a big hurrah for that? Way! And welcome to, this is History in the Making. This is the inception point where we get going with the good listening to show, Stories of Distinction and Genius, as a live theatre show, simultaneously living the hybrid dream and broadcasting to the world wild web. I called it the World Wild Web there, which it's not normally called. So um, this is an inaugural show. Thank you for being here and thank you for watching on Facebook and YouTube if you are. And I'm delighted to welcome the first ever guest for the trailblazing quest of whether this will work as a theatre show too. Ladies and gentlemen, min, 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 would you please welcome Kate Cross MBE. Great. <laughs> I'm going to embrace you. I hope you don't mind. I just managed to drop my microphone right at the very beginning. Well done. It's wonderful. Let me just slip it back on my belt. So Kate will now slip it back on her belt as we sit down in new director's chairs, which are a bit like we're going on safari through the clearing. You'll see what's going on here. So um, Kate Cross, MBE. Hi. MBE. Yes. And that's an acronym that's going to keep on giving because I'm calling it My Beautiful Egg. Oh, that's much better. MBE. (laughs) Because you were given yes. a gong for services to Children's Theatre 2018. And congratulations, because this is your... You are the curator of the egg, which is why I was particularly excited to speak to you. So uh, you're extremely welcome. Thank you, Chris. So um, how's morale? What's your story of the day, first of all? What's my story of the day? Yes. Oh, Lord. Um, went to Pilates. Lovely. Uh, did the shopping. Went home. Booked a few tickets to see some plays. You're a normal person. Read my book. Yep. About slavery. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So that's, that's, that's is I'm that an normal, average day am, in the life I'm of Kate? Normal, well, no, it's not <laughs> an average day. It's an average Friday morning. And the the, always the book on slavery on a Friday morning? Uh, when I've managed to find tiny little windows of opportunity to read my book. Yes. Lovely. So yeah. you are extremely welcome. It's going to be my absolute joy and pleasure to curate you through the storytelling scape. It's going to be a clearing. You have been kind enough to prepare what your clearing is, but I don't know what it is until you tell me. Okay. Then I'm going to arrive with a tree in your clearing. I'm going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. I've got a sort of bag of tricks here, so I might even get out, you know, how do you like these apples? Some comedy props as we go through. Uh, There's also going to be some Shakespeare, a couple of random squirrels and a cake as well. Great. It's clear as water. So just to blow a bit of happy smoke, just to contextualise, um, we met and we got history, I think, circa 1993. So it's a happy 30th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the flowers? <laughs> Hurrah! And that was because I was at the Salisbury Playhouse doing Custer's Last Stand. Yep. You were working in the education department there. And then you started here in 1998 as yep. head of education. More or less. 
more or less. Mm-hmm. And then um, what I liked as well is the idea you've got a sort of curated journey of about seven years as a sort of life cycle, because 2005 is when, da-da, as yeah. the curator of the egg, the idea was born, and here you are. So um, a Lenin quote says, there are decades where nothing happens and weeks where decades happen. And um, I'm aware that you said that there was a snatched conversation of about 40 minutes with Danny Moore back in the day when the idea for the egg theatre was born. So do you want to just tell us about that? Oh, OK. Yes, that's my story, <laughs> the story of the egg. So, yeah, I'd only been here for about, um, well, less than a year. And I got a call from Danny, who's the director of the Theatre Royal Bath. And uh, he said, do you want to come down to my office? Which was like, at that point, a fairly terrifying request. I thought I'd done something wrong. You know, I thought I was going to get into Headmaster's trouble. Headmaster's office. Obviously, yes. I don't feel like that anymore. I, have, I don't have any of those triggers anymore. But, you know, back then I did, yeah. And so I went down and he said... Um, yeah, we're thinking the board is thinking of doing like a big fundraising push and the education department would seem to be a good outlet for fundraising, a good opportunity. So he said to me, everything that anybody ever wishes, he said, so if your budget tripled overnight, what would you spend it on? And he said, no, go away and have a think about it, get back to me tomorrow and well, next week or whatever and, you know, let's have a chat. So I said, well, I don't need to, I don't need to go away and think about that. And he said, well, why is that? And I said, well, I'd buy that cinema next door that's up for sale or going to soon be up for sale and turn it into a dedicated theatre space for children and young people. And he said, oh, OK, well, you know. Well, you, you said that there and then. I said it right there and then. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even know it was coming. I mean, I had yes. no idea it was coming. I didn't even know it was inside my head. That's the weird. Yes. It's really weird. And then he said, um, so, OK, go on, tell me why. And so then I started sort of speaking in tongues. Um, again, completely unprepared, but obviously unprepared is always one's most authentic self. Yeah. Um, and at the time, you may recall, um, any of the education work that happened in this building happened in the Ustinov, which was a sort of previous design anyway. A sort uh, of black, cold box, sort of black, I remember. Very, very long, cold box with terrible yeah. sight lines, particularly for children at that time. Yeah. Um, and um, <clears throat> whenever we programmed a play at the Theatre Royal for um, young audiences, it always sort of arrived in a... In a, in a car, yeah. parked up on the double yellow lines, a sort of suitcase came out. They kind of put a little setup on top of the set for the evening show. Yeah. Um, and then we'd wheel all these children in and they couldn't see, you know, and that was the offer. And it sort of struck me that this was, um, well, lacking inequality. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of asked myself a question, if all this wonderful quality work is happening in the main house yeah. and all this quality work is happening in the Ustinov and adults can make choices week by week by week about what kind of work they want to go and see, why on earth wouldn't you be able to do that for children? So p- presumably that's what I said. So um, there's this weird dilemma whereby it was one of the most plush receiving houses in the country, the Theatre Royal Bath, yeah. and then a, a sort of, uh, for want of a better word, a slightly crappy dark freezer box <laughs> was what the offer was for children's theatre. Yes, I mean, it wasn't a bad theatre. It was just the fact that it, the, produ- the programme within it was for adults and there was no space left or held in the programme for yes. children's work. And I think things have changed and that doesn't ha- that practice doesn't happen anymore. But I mean, that was happening in Salisbury as well. Yeah. When you and I met, you know, we were I don't know if you remember that triangular bar on the first floor, but we sort of put loads of black drapes up over the windows and sort of stick a thing there as though to say this is a stage and then bring loads of families in and put them all on the beer stained carpet and yes. ask them to enjoy a puppet show. Yes. It was, it was not a not a nice experience. And I think all of those memories just like fed into that beautiful wonderful golden moment where I had the opportunity to do something about it. 
And you mentioned the golden moments, like that's the, the laying of the golden egg. It was the laying of the golden egg, yeah. I sort of, yeah, I gave you that one. Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. I'm lucky yeah. I was listening. Yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the best ways to get a job for life is to build a building and then sit in it. That's true. So I <laughs> yes. congratulate you for being the curator of the egg. And in fact, 2018, coming, you know, several years later, you, that was what the MBE was for. It was for, you know, services to children's theatre. Correct. Which is, yeah. and, and who, who did you get given the gong by, just while we sort of dwell oh, on that for a um, moment? I always forget all their names. William, I think. William. Uh -huh. Yeah. That must have been one of his first outings, I'll uh, wager, no, probably. No, he, f he looked pretty e experienced. <laughs> looked bored. <laughs> <laughs> I and was number was 254 that day, I think, you know. <laughs> number, number, so cashier number, <laughs> cashier number 412, please, <laughs> is, is Kate Cross who yes. comes in. Lovely. So, um... What it says up the stairs now, on the way into the Egg Theatre, there's a lovely photograph which just says, behind every smile is a story. And so this has become a place of really good curated joy. Hopefully. Yes. Well, joy and joy in, in the broadest sense. Yes. You know, crying can also bring joy, right? So it's not just about kind of pure, happy, clappy entertainment. You know, joy comes from feeling connected or feeling like somebody's speaking something to you or speaking some truth yes. which could actually make you cry or yes. could make you feel unsettled but in in the sense that you are sharing that with other people yeah. can then bring joy so it's not unbridled joy I would say yes I don't think that's my so job. So it's a whole gamut of human emotion which is what yeah. theatre is obviously at its yeah, best. Yeah exactly that's right it. and I wouldn't limit that for children just because they're children that's very very important to me um, uh, but um, hard to hold up. Yes I also loved it when you said that you were s stood in front of Danny Moore back in the day, full of imposter syndrome, going, oh, then you came up with an, an ingenious idea. Yes, that was lucky, wasn't it? And then overnight, <laughs> what happened? Because the next uh, day. Overnight, what happened? <laughs> Did you, uh, anyway, overnight, what happened? He had a board meeting that evening, and then the next morning, he phoned me up in my office and said, uh, right, so we had a board meeting last night, and um, the board had put an offer on for Robin's Cinema. And it was like, oh, hello, what? And he said, yeah, we're going we're to buy it. So, and then we were off. We were away, researching children's theatres all over the world. And, and have, you, have you spoken to Danny Moore since and spoken often about no, that moment? No, I haven't spoken to him since then. <laughs> <laughs> Not a word has passed either of our lips. <laughs> yes, we ignore each other now, but I've got the theatre, I'm sitting in it, I've got a job for life. He's got his, I've got mine, we're all happy. Yes. No, I'm joking. Um, of course. Have I? No. Um, no, I don't believe I have, actually. I'll do that next time. And it's extraordinary that obviously he saw that humongous potential in you because he's the one you asked and then yeah, I guess so. your vision became a dream yeah, and, and here we so. are. But I don't, want, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts away because my quirky fact. Oh, yeah. so, so well done. Let's get on now <laughs> to the curated journey. So it's my great pleasure to welcome you here. And also sincerely thanks to you, 30 years on, this is an inception point, which is very exciting for me. You have taken a punt on giving this a go, which I'm extremely grateful to you for. So what goes around comes around. And this is, for me, one of those moments where, you know, decades where nothing happens and then weeks where decades happen. This is a very exciting launch point for me too. Thank you for being here. Great. Well, good luck. I thank you all. <laughs> so uh, Kate Cross, MBE, and by the way, I've already said my beautiful egg. Yep. You can have that as your gift. Um, what is, where is a clearing for you? Where do you get to go clutter-free, inspirational and able to think, to get you on the open road of the structure of the podcast? Yeah, well, the open road is almost it. Um, so uh, the answer to that question is a train. Um, and I thought about this, you know, because I, I, I like moving. I, li I just like the, the motion of moving. But I thought I couldn't give you the answer um, walking because um, it's a bit too slow and the scenery doesn't change quickly enough. 
And I definitely couldn't give you the analogy of being on a plane because that's just torture. Yes. It's just torture and trauma, yeah. you know, for the whole time. I mean, I just think I'm going to crash the whole time. So that's not a happy place at all. Um, it's not a car because I'm busy cultivating road rage most of the time that I'm in a car. So it's not good a car. Point. Yep. So <laughs> Very good point. So <laughs> a, tra a train is a place where you kind of, you know, rightly or wrongly, your brain tells you you're safe um, and you give, you give over of yourself. You know, you give everything up and all the kind of clutter and messiness of everyday life somehow gets left behind, kind of literally, it kind of gets sucked like a vacuum out of your brain. Lovely. Yeah. And then I get into this beautiful space where scenery is moving past fast enough to kind of keep me feeling like there's some momentum. And I, I mean, that's the, I, I don't know whether that's true, but that's the only way I can describe this, which is why I went through these other yeah, moving the, the things. The safety thing's really interesting, right. isn't it? Because it's yeah. somebody about 300 feet away is driving it and worried about what's on the track, whereas you can sit back and just let go. Yeah, just get, give, give of myself to the, to the moment. And so long as nobody's around me as smells or eating a McDonald's or something, then it can be, which on the 11 o'clock back from Paddington is not the case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh, that's not your happy place? That's, that not, that's not my happy train, the, no. The Midnight um, Express from oh, Paddington. Oh, it's horrid, it's vile. We've all um, done it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, yeah, and, and so there's actually a joke between um, members of my team and myself, which is, oh, no, Kate's going on a train, uh, because I have all my ideas on the train. And I've had Wonderful. most of my best ideas on a train journey. And I have to say, I'd like to say that, you know, my, my, my clearing is the, you know, the Benina Express or the Orient Express or something. But quite frankly, the bath to Paddington is, does it for me. You know, roundabout Didcot, I'm feeling great. I love that. Roundabout <laughs> Didcot, I'm feeling great. <laughs> That's the gold we're after. <laughs> I was going to ask about the sort of Michael Portillo, Michael Palin-esque sort of, you know, train journeys of the world, but you've said that basically it's there the Bath go. to Paddington, Didcot yeah. Express. It doesn't really have to be that lavish. But and what know. I like is it's specific and it's regional as well, and it's, it's your happy place. So if I may now, I'm going to comically arrive with a tree in your clearing. <laughs> so I'm sort of struggling up the centre <laughs> gangway of the uh, Lars Fart Express, to Paddington, Didcot Parkway, <laughs> and they've now, they've since collapsed those cooling towers, haven't they, Didcot Gosh, Parkway, I think they? they're gone. God, I haven't even noticed. Uh, well, look out the window occasionally. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I think they, well, maybe they've gone. No, you, no I'm sure you're right. Yeah. The cooling towers. So, here we are, I'm going to arrive with a tree, and now we're going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. Yeah. So, uh, this is where you've been kind enough, your second bit of preparation is you've had five minutes, or as long as you've needed since I first told you you were doing this and you said yes, to have thought about four things that have shaped you, yep. three things that inspire you, and then two things that never fail to grab your attention, and that's where the random squirrels come in. Oh, Lovely. squirrels. And we've got two squirrels, no extra charge, you're welcome. Uh, and then a quirky or unusual fact about you we couldn't possibly know until you tell us. So may I present you with an apple? Oh, thank you very much, your first Chris. metaphor. So four things that have shaped you, Kate what, Cross. Other than my diet. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> so glad I got that, that one in. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank ja -ja you very much. Okay, four Stop things that. that have shaped me. I mean, uh, this is it's hard, isn't it? Because you're shaped like, like you say, all you know, all the time. Um, but. Uh, it's impossible not to say that we're shaped by a family. Yeah. Okay, so, and in particular, one's parents. And um, if I try and kind of work out what it is about my parents that shape me, other than, you know, that I'm still alive. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they gave you good and, genetic survival. And I, and I don't think I've murdered anyone, so I think the moral code was more or less in place. Um, but you thought uh, about it when you were road raging, but that it was just <laughs> in, yes, exactly, in yeah. your own car, yeah. the kingdom of our car. <laughs> uh, so, um, and I think the really interesting thing about my mother is that um, I, I definitely was introduced to theatre by my mother, who was a keen um, member of the local amateur dramatic company. And I remember... Um, when I was involved in one of the probably Christmas pantomimes and I was in possibly in the sick form actually and, and I was umming and ahhing about whether to do it or not because I'd also been offered a, a part in the school play and I was like hedging my bets and um, and she said to me something along the lines of uh, when you're in a play Kate you make a complete commitment to it um, you can't you know you can't half do anything um, and if I think about my MO now, I think I definitely got that from her, whether that was as a piece of advice or whether it's just in our gene. Yes, 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 I'm so sorry. No, no, sorry, I was just making yes, sure I understood yeah. the MO. Um, yeah, so, so I think that notion of the, the sort of 100% commitment to something, yes. like I'm going to do something, therefore I'm going to do it, you know, um, was something I very much got from her, not least of all the fact that, you know, I had an introduction to being part of making plays and being on stage and, you know, being part of a theatre community, I suppose. Um, but the other thing about my mother was that she, um, she was, well, she, she passed away back in September, age 92. Um, so she was born in 1930. The September is gone. Yes, that's yeah. right. And so she was, um, she turned 14 when the Education Act came out, wow. which basically meant that because of her gender and her class and the war, um, she, she left school at the age of 14 and she was such an intelligent, uh, authentic and brilliant woman. She had so much insight and uh, intellect and interest and reflectiveness about the world and in the world and never did a, barely did a day's paid work in her life. You know, the expectation for her was that she'd leave school. She did a job when she first left school in the telephone exchange in Chichester in Sussex and... Um, she continued to talk about that because it really was only her, her only job mm. that she ever had. And then she got married at the age of 21. Her mother died six weeks later. And then she started having children. And then she was a, a stay-at-home mother. And there's nothing wrong with that but for the fact that, well, when she split up with my father, she was slightly kind of, well, now what? And she didn't, and her children were growing up, and she didn't really have a career to fall back on. And it has always been our... M you know, when I say our, I mean mine and my siblings' greatest regret, really, that she never had the opportunity to express herself in a workplace because I think she could have done something quite extraordinary. She was truly wise and a great enabler of all you all became. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But, but very unexpressed, I think, you know, in terms of... I mean, she did lots of voluntary work and all sorts of stuff in her local community, but, yeah, very unexpressed. And I think that, like, <laughs> you know, there are these generations of, of work and hard work and... You know, I've got a 21-year-old daughter who's of the generation that doesn't really believe in work, which is, you know, kind of refreshing idea. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> oof, <laughs> uh, it's quite interesting because you know I feel as though I got my work ethic, and my work ethic is something I like. You know, I'm not. Yes. It, doesn't, it doesn't. I work very, very hard, and I enjoy working very, very hard, and it sort of defines me. And she just looks at me and thinks, "Why would you do this mm. much work?" You know. But I think the reason why I do this much work is because my mother couldn't. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. 
Yes, and, and the sort of MO you mentioned, you know, Rome isn't built in a day, the commitment you must have needed to get the egg from inception to completion, that was a seven-year quest, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the most patient I've ever been. Yeah. Yeah. A play, you know, a play takes, what, one to two years to make, and that's quite hard. Yes. But seven years, whoa. <laughs> and your father in the mix of that as well? My as father in the mix of that, m- much less present in my life, as lots of fathers of that generation were. Yeah. Um, but an entrepreneur... And I think a sort of bit of a ducker and a diver, and I think I'm a ducker and a diver. And there's a sort of another running gag in our office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there are some people that will attest to this, please. When we're in the pub, I don't know who's out there. When we're in the pub, um, where <laughs> when we've had a couple of drinks, I, go, I, t- I do the proverbial, want to buy a play? Want to buy a play? I've got some <laughs> lovely plays here. Anybody want to play? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I got my entrepreneurial... Um, drive and and nous and spirit um risk-taking spirit from him and, and my sort of if i've got any integrity then i got it from my mum and i suppose the gender stereotype is that he probably died before and um, sorry if he's still alive i didn't mean no no he did die before yeah yes. that's right yeah because it, it tends to be the mothers that go on to be the sort of great yes yeah, the matriarchs the matriarchs yeah. and the ones our... and of course they end up being the people that you have known longer than anybody else yes and so whatever you know obviously we all have very complex and interesting relationships with our parents. Yeah. But when they die, it's that, isn't it? It's like, God, I've not known anybody longer than I've known you. Yes. Or, and I don't know anybody better than I knew you. You know, yes. that's a funny thing to lose. And I suppose the matriarch thing is very interesting as well, because, you know, again, not to come back to the architecture of this building, but you've become the sort of matriarch of, of the egg because you're here as a constant presence within it. Yes, I mean... That analogy has been used quite a lot of times because when we opened in 2005, I was profoundly pregnant with my second <laughs> child and words like wombs and eggs and yes. mother hen and all of that kind of stuff were quite prolific. And it sort of kept on giving because one of the committees and steerings, I know it's called the Fuse Team, but it was also you were using the word incubate quite a lot as well. I yes. By the way, I, I did remember I had forgotten to give you your own slide. So there you yes. are. You're here that, that, anyway. Was, that was a photo that was taken last week. <laughs> <laughs> you look the same to me. It just looks like you've got a nice white light there, which is like very angelic, very if good. I may say so. Thank you very much. So uh, that's shapeage number one, oh, Lord. which is your mum, yep. and then your dad's less prevalent in, in the same way of influencing. Yep. What about what about shapeage number two, please, which shapeage is cashier number, number two. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my education. Um, and it's funny, isn't it? Because you'd think, oh, yes, an education, that's what shapes you. You know, you go and do the subjects and you do your exams and that gets you to wherever you go and that's what shapes you. But it's not that, is it? It's never that. It's the experience that you have whilst you're doing that Absolutely. that actually yep. shapes you, which is the great sort of the great lie that we all, you know, carried through life with us. Um, and I, because of my father, not my mother, obviously, but because of my father's sort of family tradition was, I don't want to say sent to a boarding school, but I went to a boarding school. Um, my brother, both my siblings are older than me, and they both went to a boarding school, and I felt left out, actually. So I thought, well, if they can go to a boarding school, I can too, because obviously the only image I had of boarding school was the Enid Blyton version. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, anyway, and board- boarding school was actually not that very far away from here. Um, and, because I didn't, I wasn't, didn't grow up near here. Um, and in the- it, Sussex the, is where you were born? No, I right? wasn't. I was born in Ascot in Berkshire. Oh, okay. Um, Did I make that up? Somebody was from Sussex. My mum's from Sussex, Sussex, that's right, you were right about that. She, yeah, anyway. Um, 
so yeah, so this boarding school, I just thought it was a very, very ironic situation because you know parents pay quite a lot of money for boarding schools, and I actually don't think I had a very good education. Right. Um, it's the 1970s. It's, it's a girls' boarding school. The main aspirate, unless you were like a hyper genius and could do Latin and Greek from the age of two years onwards, you were being sort of primed to be a well-behaved. Um, lady, which you know they utterly yeah. signally failed at with me right from day one. It was it wasn't going to happen, and um, I was uh, very. I mean, I, I don't want to say I was very rebellious. I wasn't really very naughty because there was also a bit of me that didn't like getting told off. Yeah, but I was just. But it just all it was all a nonsense. Yeah. Everything was nonsense to me there. You know, it's like there were rules that just made absolutely no sense. There was no logic to them. It was just power being yielded. Yeah. Um, it was, as I now know, you know, f the fear of, of, of teenagers that adults have. And the only way they can overcome that fear is to kind of wield the, these kind of rules. To contain and sort of powerful it, yes. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that at the time. It just felt like nonsense to me at yeah. the time, all these ridiculous rules and things that were just kind of l limiting my, my, my own expression and my own experience of life. Um, and by bulking at the conformity, though, what is then what comes about is, is a fact you're an outlier because most of our favourite theatre practitioners are yeah. outliers because they've, they've broken free of the conformity somehow yeah. and swim against the stream. Yeah, that's right. And also the actual act of being educated didn't work for me either. Like, you know, at university, I remember a lecturer saying to me, um, yeah, the reason why you didn't do very well in this essay is it's got too many of your own opinions in it, Kate, and not enough of other people's. So I'm going, well, what's wrong with my opinions? You know, me for I've had a brain. some really amazing yeah. insights here, and it's going, no, we don't want to know. And obviously, once you en then end up working in the arts, people do want to know what, what you're feeling and what you're thinking, because that's what art is. Art is like digging into the truth of like humanity. And the most of but, the rest of know. society is gagging for innovation and creativity, and how do we do yes, that then, do which is when they look to theatre. But you just, that just didn't work for me at school, because yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't put myself in that box, really. Yeah. I couldn't, I mean, yeah. Um, so bulking at conformity is a sort of way of Bulking at, de yeah. definitely, that's for sure. And um, yeah, and so I think that that extraordinarily weird experience of the adults that were quote unquote looking after us at that boarding school is, um, I'm fairly certain, is what gave me my complete obsession with childhood, which, you know, has stayed with me forever. So I would say it's very, very shaping because, yeah. yes, education and what education is and what it means to people is one thing. Um, childhood and what that means is another and also ge gender I think you know f my feminism probably started to get born when I was in this girls boarding school thinking why are the boys boarding schools better than the girls mm -hmm. <laughs> shapage number three please yes um, uh, well um, this is a bit might be a bit of a cop-out but like <laughs> there are no cop-outs all, all, all the failures in our lives, right? So I don't even know if I can particularly name any, but every time you fail, you get shaped, don't you? And it's like now, uh, now that I've learned how to fail and, and learned not to sort of beat myself up and think that my life is never going to carry on uh, as, a, as a result of having done this, you know, failing thing, now I know that life does go on and like, not only does it go on, it goes on better. Yes. And so failures are moments of sheer joy and opportunity and possibility, aren't they? It's yes. like you've, you've, you've messed something up, nearly swore there. You've messed something up 
And this is the opportunity to sort of, to, as, as Beckett says, fail better, you know, yes, sort of, like fail, fail better, sort of yeah. put it all back together again and do something better and more rigorous next time. Um, you know, fa one's failures are kind of one's risks in a way, aren't they? And life without risk is not really worth living. So I would say that all the times I've failed, and we do it, we micro fail every 10 minutes. We do. Uh, and we macro fail, you know, quite a lot as well, yeah. you know. So I like that micro macro failure. Yeah, thanks. Um, all shaping. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say all, all of those failures are very, very shaping and really, really important. And someone I really rate and admire talks about when shit happens in life, it's called plot twist, and then it's just how you adapt and flex and what you do next. Yeah. Because it ain't over until it's over. Exactly. Yeah. Sadly. So. Uh, <laughs> that was my cop-out one. Was that That, that didn't was sound that okay? like a cop-out okay, to cool. me. Did yeah. we think that was a cop-out? No, we didn't. No. So, uh, now, shapage number four, Shapage number four. Um, uh, shapage number four is just bath. Okay. Um, so Bath and this, <laughs> obviously. So uh, when I came to Bath, um, despite three fairly pleasant years at Salisbury Playhouse, as you've mentioned, I would have described myself then and still do as being sort of wandering in the wilderness a bit. Um, I'd kind of moved around from sort of lived in Dorset and Somerset and North Devon for quite a while in Yorkshire and Kent, moved around um sort of gone to jobs sort of left been freelance which actually meant unemployed um and uh really didn't know where i was going and when i came here an opportunity i came here as a freelancer and an opportunity came up for me to take a full-time job and i took it and when you say here you mean this building the theater royal bath yeah, 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 yeah before the egg was built the theater yeah. royal bath and i took took a job here and moved here my uh, simultaneously my partner at the time uh, moved over from Holland and came to live here as well so it, it very much was a moment of oh we're settling down you know this is a place to put I'm assuming down. you went Dutch ha 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 that was bad that was bad yeah, yeah, we can delete that yeah. later. That's fine. Okay. we can edit that out <laughs> I thought you said it was live <laughs> <laughs> hashtag awkward yeah. so there you are so here I'm in Bath yeah. and um I found my, and I can't really explain this because not everything about the Theatre Royal Bath is like everything I ever wanted in life. It's sort of run in a very different way from how I now work here. But um, I, I described the experience of starting the job here as I've finally come home. And I really, really felt like I'd come home. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I mean, I know, you know we can laugh about Bath and all the rest of it. And it's a bit of a bubble and all, the and all of that. But it, that's what it is. It's a place where I feel as though... I have been given permission to be myself and I feel as though the general kind of value system across Bath sort of chimes with my own yep. and which is, you know, be giving permission to be creative and to take risks and to be bold and um, to have a voice and to take up space and all of those things. And very lovely um, to hear that somebody who's felt like an outlier for a lot of that time yeah, suddenly finds absolutely. somewhere that it's a home for an outlier. Yeah, I really did. And, yeah. I, you know, and I just suddenly fell into a much more sort of confident me that, you know, was then able to move forward and do this. The rest is history. The rest is history. But it ain't over yet. OK, no. now we're going to talk about three things that inspire you. So, over to you. OK. We're uh, still in the foliage of the tree, just to let you know about the structure. OK. OK, three things that inspire me. Um, beautifully written sentences inspire me. <laughs> I don't know why. I think you've written yourself. I thought all, of you? that. No, 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 no. That other people have written. So, um, on those 
rare moments when I, you know, find a little chink in my day to read, um, which I love to do. I've been known to literally jump out of the chair and start skipping around the room at the sight of a sentence that just literally, beautifully puts words together into such a beautifully formed thing Lovely. and goes just like strikes right into your heart and your head and you go yes yes yeah and I take a little photo of it and then you know nothing and happens to no it pressure but is there a recent sentence that you'd like to proffer no that is too, that's, that's <laughs> no. too much pressure actually I did look through my photos um it would take me too long to find it now it was from a book by Sarah Winman which I recently read called Still Life which is heartily recommend um, and uh, it sort of is set in Italy and London and um, includes an awful lot about Italian art and so therefore talks about art a lot and mm -hmm. some, there's some beautiful sentences in there which are really sort of life-affirming about why we love the arts and why we're engaged beautiful. in the arts and yeah that was the last one I saw but Sebastian Fawkes has the capacity just the way he uses language when I read his work just to make me go weak at the knees. Beautifully put, <laughs> lovely. Second, inspiring. My second inspiring, um, my second thing that inspires me is planning holidays. Ah, uh, yes. So back to the train. Uh, <laughs> but um, the funny, I, I, I mean, I love going on holiday, but actually, th I think I prefer planning them <laughs> 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 to going on them. Um, and there was a period during 2020 and 2021 where I'm, I'm not joking. I couldn't remember which holidays I've been on and which ones have been cancelled. Because <laughs> once I'd booked them, I really had lived them. <laughs> like yes, you've, you've done the itinerary. I've done the itinerary. On day four, we'll be here. I've kind of felt the thing. Yeah. Um, I've sort of, I've, I've done the bit that, that I enjoy, which is playing around with maps and routes and ways of travelling and ways of being and, you know, and joining the dots and working it all out and making a sort of perfect, like I don't live every minute of it. I don't think right I'm then I'm going to eat this meal in this restaurant and then I'm going to buy that thing from that <laughs> shop don't get that granular I leave enough space inside the sort of scaffolding there's room for, spontaneity. For, yeah, there's room for sp obviously once you yes. clamp us all into where we're going yes. yeah exactly <laughs> yes you got it yeah and I uh, and I know what the walks are going to be of course and we're you do. probably going to march to the top of a mountain so still you need um, lighting somewhere in there yeah. <laughs> afraid so um but yeah I just love to do the planning very good yeah Love that. So okay. That inspires me. Very good. Next. Um, risk inspires me. So the it's board not the first, game? Or it's not, no, 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 no. Um, no, that's a vile game, isn't it? It is. It's yeah, terrible. it's horrible. No, um, like all sorts of risk, actually. I mean, I know I've mentioned risk before, but it really does. It kind of, it, it, it gets me sort of salivating, actually, watching other people taking risk. And that could be um, all the TikTok acrobatic reels that I spend far too much of my time watching <laughs> acrobatics on TikTok. No one can relate I to that. I really shouldn't do. I should be reading my book, um, looking for another perfectly formed sentence. But no, I'm looking at the acrobatics on TikTok. Or, or it could be, um, you know, other, other really simple things like somebody just taking an initiative, you know, like uh, some friends from, well, sort of half friends from the primary school world, you know, when I was, my children were still at primary school, set up a supper club in our, in our village or in our area where we, it was an extraordinary thing. Everybody thought it was 
it wasn't. It was actually eating food, cooking and eating food. And it was very, it was quite a convoluted structure where we all met on the same night, but in four or five different houses and it, according to a theme and all the rest of it. And I loved it. I mean, it was like planning a holiday. You know, I loved planning what I was going to cook. And Where's the risk in that? Someone doing a supper club? No, the club? risk, that, exactly. Like I know it doesn't upper class sound. Risk. Oh, I'm no, risking a supper club. I don't think it sounds like a risk, but it is a risk because... Because I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have dared. Ah, uh, yes. I wouldn't have dared ask 25 of my half friends uh, that I dude. knew in the community if they wanted to be part of a supper club in case I looked too silly. Yes. So I, that, you know, that, do you see what I mean? It's a very small risk. Like a fire risk, starter in some way. Yes, Somebody exactly. who start a movement so or a fire. Risks, but yes. then obviously big risks as well. You yeah. Know, like jumping off mountains and things and, um, or, you know, um, starting up businesses. Have you jumped off, have you done bungee jumping or jumped no, off mountains? No. No, th- no, thank you. No. Yes, so we're talking about micro and macro yes, I'm not risks interested again. In, I'm not interested in all that physical risk. No, quite right too. No. Stay safe. In, no. Inside the Skiing train on the way to Ditchcott. It's all getting very, very sort of upper middle class anyway. Better I shut up. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so now then, uh, we're up to, this is where, I, I, I think there, uh, it's my structure, I think there's the third influencing thing now. No, I've done them all, haven't I? In which case, uh, thank you, we can move on to yeah. the two things that never fail to grab your attention. And this is squirrels, so can I throw a squirrel at yes, you? Yes, you can. Whoa! <laughs> or, feel free to drop it, but this is a, a, a oh, squirrels, what, what never fails to grab your attention. Squirrels, whatever else is going on for you, Kate. Okay, um, yeah, this one was hard. Uh, but I kind of, for some reason, I landed on, this is a bit negative, I'm afraid, but um, uh, adults talking to children... Um, like if I'm walking down the street and I hear an adult shouting at a child, I just can't not hear it. Yes. And um, and is that yeah. a mother's instinct or a, just a kindness instinct that wanting you to stop it? Or no, I think it's anything? the person who's obsessed with childhood instinct. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I think it's the yeah, it's the it's the person who didn't like the way the teacher spoke to me at that ah, school yes. instinct. So just I think a trigger it's that's the immediate. Why is there this ridiculous power tussle between adults and children yeah. instinct? I think why do adults think that they can talk to children in a way they wouldn't dare talk to an adult? Yeah. All of that. Yes. So it just makes me go like that. A child crying makes me twitch as well, but that's more of a mother instinct, yeah. I think. I mean, the cafe downstairs is a terrible place for me. It's awful. It's chaos down there. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, because so it's there's just a sense of justice in there as well about making sure everyone's treated kindly and justly, irrespective of their age. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Respect for children. Respect. Which, again, respect, and just they need to be heard and seen. They're amazing things, and then they only like it for a little while, so make the most of it. You know. That's a wonderful squirrel. You're allowed a second squirrel. I got a second squirrel. Um, well, you know the weather. <laughs> it's impossible. Like we sort of. I know we complain about the weather, and I don't really even mean that, because I don't, I don't particularly mind what the weather's doing, but I can't fail to notice what the weather's doing. None of us can, can it's we? It's English as well. I was, very, I was very literal, actually. Yeah. When you, well, you know, the question is, what, what, do you, what, what is the question? Things that never fail to get my attention. And I thought, what never gets my... Well, every morning I think about the weather. Yes. So. <laughs> and there's no such thing as bad weather, it's just the wrong equipment. It's, we it's, know that. Exactly, yeah. But it's... Um, I tried to do a very well-formed sentence there. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> sorry. I was still busy trying to no, work no, out my own, I, so I'm we just weren't listening you. to each other in that moment. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'll start shouting you in a minute. Like <laughs> Please do. Yeah. It's very no. unjust, but it's good. I think the weather's a bit like a train. You know what I was saying about a train journey? Yes. I think the weather's a bit like that because it's just a constant, and the seasons as well, it's a constantly yeah. moving thing. It's always going to change. It's never going to stay the same, which is why I could never live on the equator. 
Anyway, We've do. nearly shaken the foliage of the tree. The Great. five, four, three, two, one. Final thing is a quirky. Now the one is a quirky or unusual fact about you. Yes. Uh, Kate Cross, uh, my beautiful egg. Yeah. We couldn't uh, know about you until you tell us. Yeah. Well, I, I wish I had a tattoo, but I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is really hard as well, mainly because I'm constantly telling everybody everything all the time. So there's nothing that hasn't been said. Um, but. Um, I didn't have to have an interview to get the job here. Um, and if I had have done, I wouldn't have got it. Wow. I know so I wouldn't because I can't yes. do interviews, which is why I was terrified about this. And I love the fact that when he, you were summoned to the Danny Moore office, um, that you worried that it was going to be a rollicking rather than... Yeah, I know. It's awful, isn't it? ...giving you the, the, gift, of, God, the gift of life in terms damage. of curating life the venue. Yes. It does. <laughs> And uh, yeah. do you want to say a bit more about why you just know you wouldn't have got it? You've just been crap at interviews. I'm just really bad at interviews. Like, I don't really like answering questions. Mm. But this was really tough. <laughs> but you still said yes, so feel the pain, do it anyway. You're doing really well. <laughs> yeah. So we've shaken your tree. Hurrah. Hooray. Now in the structure, we stay in the clearing. We move away from the tree. And next, we talk about alchemy and gold, Great. please. So have we got to Reading yet? We're, we're near already, yes, <laughs> okay. we should be at Reading shortly. Okay. So this is, this is alchemy and gold now. The idea being, the sort of metaphor here is, when you're at purpose and in flow, what are you absolutely happiest doing in what you're here to reveal to the world? Yeah, this is really hard, this one, and I didn't know how to answer it. Give me an example of what other people have said. Um, well... <laughs> It's when you're most at peace, so when time... So in my world, if I'm in a comedy improvisation show and the firework display is going okay. off, time stands still. It's just a moment of just magic where I just don't worry. The rest of the world goes away and I okay. feel completely contained within well, other an than alchemic the moment. Other than the train journey then, obviously. Yes. It's a little bit like the clearing. Um, so, well, I mean, I guess um, cooking... Ah, uh, there you are, yeah, um, sure. ...does that. Um, it's not my clearing because... I don't think when I'm cooking, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Or I don't. So the ideas. So well, I'm at my happiest when I'm having ideas. Yes. So well, I guess that's another bit of alchemy gold yeah. thing. It's like, yeah, I need to create space where I can have ideas, which is yeah. why I like going on train journeys. But um, cooking is just a lovely way of just shutting out all the noise because you've got an actual job to do. Um, yes, something outside of your head, yeah. arms length with your hands. Yeah, which yeah. is going to result in something nice, hopefully. Um, so yeah, when so you're that's at your always happiest. my sort of defragging place at the end of every day, is the kitchen. L lovely expression, defragging yes. at the end of the day in your kitchen. Yeah. That'll do for alchemy and gold, that's yeah. fine. It's Good. No right or wrong okay. answers, it's cool. all whatever you'd like to say. Uh, and now, um, we've come through alchemy and gold, and next we're up to, I'm trying to remember exactly what happens next, we're going to award you with a cake, please. Oh, good. So this is a final storytelling metaphor, which, do you mind if I bung this at you? So do you like cake, first of all? Um... Sort of. Not a lot. Okay. Don't worry about that. So let's put a cherry on the cake instead. <laughs> Sorry, was I supposed you, to... you can't give away cake sometimes. But uh, the cherry on the cake is the final storytelling yes. metaphor okay. where um, it's stuff like what's a favourite inspirational quote that's always given you sucker and pulled you towards your future? And, 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 what notes, help or advice might you proffer to a younger version of yourself? Yes. It could also be what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given. Yes. So stuff that sort of existentially got you on yes. the right path. And we're ramping up ultimately to a bit of Shakespeare where okay. we're going to talk about legacy. Speak and how yourself. you most like to be remembered. I'm not but doing I'll, any Shakespeare. I'll, I'll save the Shakespeare to the very, very end okay. because of where else we're going. Okay. But, um, so 
it's just to okay. reconstruct that for you. Are you happy to just get yeah, in I'll the just do I'll just do a few things, if that's sure, all right. Sure. A bit of popcorn for you, if that's I like all right. I that. Yes, yeah. I'll that sit That was one I learnt last week when we were some artists in here, and I heard somebody talk about popcorn, and we went, what do you mean? She went, well, everything's just coming and going, non-linear. Do, do a popcorn yeah. interpretation of the case. So I'm going to give you a quote, um, which sure. is one of my, my, my favourite quotes about theatre. I quite like theatre. I, mean, I don't know if that's obvious, <laughs> but, you know, I do quite like it. And this is from Tove Janssen, who wrote... Um, all the Moomin books, and it's from Midsummer Moomin, I think. And it goes, a theatre is the most important kind of house in the world because that's where people are shown what they could be if they wanted, what they'd like to be if they dared to, and what they really are. Ooh. And I like that. We like that too. That's Good. lovely. Yeah. So that's a beautiful quote, and that's what reminds me... Um, well, all of us actually, what you know, in our department of why we do what we do, um, and 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 you know when we're looking at a play and making a play and in the business of like really trying to craft yep. a piece of theatre, um, that kind of you know that arrow into the human condition is what really matters, um, particularly I think in making work for children um, who don't have the lexicon yet yes. to go with sort of big scripted heavily texted or you know heavily political um, types of work um, not that I wouldn't do any of those things to yeah. a young audience but I think what you're driving at is the thing that we have in common which is being human so that's why I like that beautiful and again um, I'll stay with your popcorn anything stay with else? the popcorn well yeah. other things anything are just else? like sort of daily mantras do you know what I mean yeah. um, and they're really funny because they contradict one another the daily mantras so like in the workplace, you know, for me, a daily mantra is fine isn't good enough. You know, fine doesn't pass for me. Um, what's What does done look like? Can we do better, you know? Um, so there's that constant drive. Um, but at the same time, we've got some quite funny ones, which are ones that kind of just let me off and stop me from being too hyper uh, or whatever um, around that performance. Perfection. Perfectionism is not quite the right word, but anyway, let's use that word, perfectionism. Um, one of them is, well, whatever, it's only a play, um, which, is, which is really good because it is, a, is only a play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and lovely. you can get a little bit too up your... So there's anyway. a hard task mistress in there, but then there's something that lets you off the hook with let it's you off just the hook. a play yeah. with perspective. Yeah. And, and there's another one that we've been using recently, uh, which, which has gone down really well, and we've used it a lot, which is, it's okay because nobody's marking our homework. Um, and so it's like we get to choose how we do this. It's like if we think this is right, then it's right. Yes. Um, and nobody's going to tell us it's wrong. Um, by the which way, tops back to, you know, my feelings about education. So there yes. you go. Yes. And by the way, I, I forgot to mention earlier on, which is linked. Thank you for saying that. When, when you were recommended and endorsed for your MBE, I, re I read an article about you where you said, do you know what? The endorsement I was given was the best school report I'd ever been given. Oh, something. Did I say that? You said that. So there's something really factory default settings about school conditioning and mm -hmm. childhood conditioning, even in your worry about is it good enough and is this yeah. enough. But it's I like a, it's the fact a conflict that and paradox, isn't it, all the time? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's wonderfully paradoxical, yeah. lovely. Um, we are ramping up to... Uh, any more popcorn just before I... Uh, no, I don't think it? I do, actually. No, that's it. That'll that's do. a lovely bit of popcorn. And I'm going to give you a bit of Shakespeare in a minute, but uh, just now um, there's a new construct which is called Pass the Golden Baton, please. So... Um, Take the baton. Yes. And this is to just invite you. Yes. Who in your world, in your network, now you've experienced this from within, would most appreciate, like, enjoy a good listening to 
in the show. Right. Well, I can't guarantee whether this person will say yes or no if yep. invited. Um, and he's not world famous or anything like that. But then again, neither am I. Um, but I want to recommend a gorgeous, wonderful, creative genius called Toby Thompson. Toby Thompson. Um, who uh, I've known since he was a young teenager because he first started to come to the egg and sort of with sort of hair hanging over his face and sort of pretending he wasn't there, but sort of there. Um, and then we started to hear him sort of gently rapping over his keyboard in the corner of the cafe and thought, oh, he's, he's quite good with words. Um, and then he started writing sort of full-length performance poetry. He was a complete education outlier, um, left every school in Bath and then eventually went home, basically. Yeah. Taught himself how to be a poet. Um, and we made um, we made a play with him six or six years ago called I Wish I Was a Mountain that has um, continued to it did very very well in this country and has subsequently spent six months in China um, won an award in Philadelphia um, is about to go to Canada and America and has just done two weeks in Ireland I mean it's just a very very successful play which um, anybody who watches it just loves it's very very moving and he's a very very unique human being. Um, and I think you'll have a lovely time with him and you will be in safe hands. He feels like he would be a privilege to interview. So thank you so much for recommending him. Thank you very much. Um, and now, let's keep hold of the button for now. Yes. Inspired by Shakespeare and borrowed from the seven ages of man's speech, we're now ramping up to when all the world's a stage, when all is said and done, Kate Cross, MBE, how would you most like to be remembered? So this is your opportunity to talk about legacy. So how would you most like... I don't think I answered this one. To be remembered. I haven't planned this one, so I don't actually know. How would I most like to be remembered? Um, in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a copper? Not at all. I'd most like to be remembered in the pub. Having Lovely. a laugh, really. Yeah. You know, like having really good conversation with perfectly formed sentences um, and um, having lots of good ideas with a few other people. That's... That's how I'd like to be remembered. And as this has been your moment in the sunshine, in the good listening to shows, stories of distinction and genius, you are both distinct and what you've done is genius in what you've created and curated here. But as this is, has been your moment in the sunshine, is there anything else you'd like to say, Kate? Oh, no, I think I've said it all. I feel fully expressed. Thank so you, Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, min, 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 there'll be an opportunity to ask some questions if you'd like to in a few moments' time. But can we have a round of applause? You've been listening to... Kate Cross, MBE, the curator of The Egg. This has been The Good Listening To Show. Thank you. <laughs> and as I've said, we are here uniquely trailblazing. This was the first ever live theatre show version of this. So you have an opportunity, first of all, to ask Kate any questions you might like to, based on the journey of the story you heard. So this is a questioning brick. I can throw it at you and it's very soft and lovely. Does anybody have a question they might like to ask Kate? You, sir, what's your name? Uh, Andras. 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 You're the first Andras I've met. There you go. So you're over to you. Thank you very much. Uh, hi, Kate. Uh, what's been... It, this is a bit of a... Yeah, what's been, like, a show that you really, really fondly remember at, being at the X since its inception? What's, like, your, your favourite show when you think about... Or the egg, like you think, oh, that show, that was really special. Um, there have been a lot. There have been a lot of the other ones as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but 
I think one that I could say was a Christmas show that we did, mm, I don't know, 2017 maybe, The Little Mermaid, um, which we did with Pins and Needles Productions, who are a Bristol-based um, theatre company. Um, it was written by B. Roberts, and uh, it was a very... <laughs> we commissioned it, and it had... Um <laughs> It had a gay storyline in the second that sort of emerged out of the second act, and uh, it was very funny because when we did the read through, the company were really nervous. They thought I was going to make some sort of comment about it, and there was just there was no conversation about it because what? Why would there be a conversation about it? Um, but they were they were looking at me like this, going, "When's she going to know? When's she going to notice? When's she, when's she going to say something?" Anyway, um, it was a hard push to get it into production because it was a big, massive beast of a show, and it required much more funding than we could have here, so it took quite a long time. Um, and it was, a, you know, it was a big old journey, um, but it was really quite a riotous, wonderful experience. And it won a UK Theatre Award that year as well. But um, one of the things I really remember about it was a quote from one of the children who came to see it. Who, um, so the whole first half takes part place underwater. Um, obviously, we're not underwater. Um, and that it's choreographed with using fans that are sort of shaken like this to look like the fins of a mermaid's tail, right? So this was the sort of movement on stage. And a little girl, after seeing the show, she said to her mother, but mummy, how are they going to get all the water out of the egg afterwards? Oh, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Lovely question. Thank you so much, Andres, as well. Does anybody else have any questions? There's no pressure. You don't have to, obviously, but yes, just throw the brick. And what's your name? Amy. Amy, of course. Hi, Kate. Yeah. Um, at the moment, there's lots of talk about supporting mothers returning to work, um, following having children and things. And I know your children are grown up now, but as a successful curator of the egg, what would your advice be to... I'm getting quite emotional. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. This is obviously very much on your mind at the moment because you just had a child, right? Yeah. Sorry. No, please right, don't apologise. Absolutely fine. Take your time. <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, any, any advice um, to maintain your life in the arts as a, a working parent, I guess. Mm. Yeah, well, it's tough. <laughs> um, and that's why you're crying. <laughs> um, I mean, there are, there's an awful lot more... I don't know if I'm going to give you any advice right right here and now, but that but there's um, there's a, there's a lot more talk about it in our industry now than there than there was, um, and you'll be aware of Piper Piper, yeah. which is a sort of self-constructed but quite powerful group of arts workers with mm -hmm. young children. Um, it it kind of I. It's theatre. I don't know what to say. Theatres are so personality-led, aren't they? And so you can go to one theatre, and the fact that you need to or request to have schedules that work around your your personal life as a parent or any other reason um, is in one theatre completely embraced, and in another theatre not. Mm. And navigating that, I think, is really really hard. Um, I'd like to think that we're pretty good at 
navigating that in the egg. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, but I, you know, I, yeah, you, how would you know where else? But, but I think that you, there is an increasing amount of awareness now about work-life balance, actually. And for all sorts of reasons to do with health and um, disability and um, a number of other factors, I think the the idea of um, the length of the working day or the schedule of the working week or any of those things I think is changing. And I think that the way it changes is by you keeping your voice mm. and, and continuing trying to, to find the right institution yeah. that will yeah. be empathic to yeah, what's actually happening. Uh, and of course, within broader society, individual institutions are good, bad, crap or indifferent at actually nurturing their people in yeah. times of... Of, of when they need it the most. But the voice is just really important, as you know. It's the same with anything else, vegetarianism, yeah, or, yeah. you know. Um, and, and it has an iterative effect. And obviously, it will f the voice will fall on listening ears in places like this, um, and may less so in places like the main house, for example. And um, that's not me denigrating the main house. It's just kind of we know that to be the way, the mm. way of things. But... It's also worth noting that the egg trailblazes that form of kind of compassionate employment, mm. as do many, many, many other venues, and that gently and slowly influences the other um, people around them, you know. So bit by bit, drip by drip, crumb by crumb, some of the initiatives that start in the egg then find their yeah. way across the, across the rest of the building. Um, that's the best I can do right now. But it, yeah, it's hard work, mm. and but you yeah keep 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 your voice, and it is, and it's and it's a graft. I can't sugarcoat it. <laughs> yes, no, and thank you for that question as well, for being so honest as well. And um, would anyone else like to ask a question? In which case, uh, ladies and gentlemen, another huge round of applause. If you'd like to hang around just to let us know what you thought about what you've just experienced, that would be a, a pleasure to hear your opinions. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed, Kate Cross. Thank you. And thank you to the lovely technical support team as well. If we can bring the house lights up, we can sort of stop broadcasting live as well now. If you throw me the thingy back wherever it went. You've been listening to the Good Listening To show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye.